This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. It is so good to be with you this morning and everyone that's joined us online. Um, very thankful, very, very thankful that we can, uh, me and my wife can become a part uh, of this church. Uh, we've been welcomed with just abundant uh, love and, and prayers and all that stuff. And that's whatever real life's doing, it's working. And we just want to come alongside real life and foster that and nourish that. Um, and I'm very honored to be the missions pastor. It's something I've had a passion for for a long time, missions. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a mission coming up this summer in July. We are headed to London. Many of you who have gone through the path know we sponsor a church plant in London called uh, Redeemer Church of uh, Queens Park. Uh, we're going to go there for a week. We're going to care for the people that are there, the boots on the ground. We're going to hand out flyers and plant seeds in that community, and we're going to pray for those that are uh, in that community. Uh, and if you're interested in that opportunity, I encourage you to text MISSION to 97000, uh, and there should be some sort of a link where you can uh, express your interest, learn more about it. We will do an uh, formal information meeting as uh, time goes on to explain the particulars in it, but just be praying about that and be considering that uh, something you might be interested in. Uh, how is everyone doing post-Easter? That good, huh? <laughs> Easter's one of the big two, right? You got to go to Easter service, you got to go to Christmas service if you want to get in heaven, right? Those are the big two. Uh, my wife and I, we sadly, we missed the, the party on the lawn we were preaching, or I was preaching up in Hopkinsville, so we had to miss it, and this was going to be our first one, and we were really looking forward to it, uh, but something tells me we'll make the next one. But Easter is one of those holidays, as well as Christmas, that's uh, just a lot of symbols, right? There's a whole lot of symbols associated with Easter, um, and most of us, including me, don't even know what they mean. Uh, for example, Easter, you have a bunny and an egg. I don't see the connection. I don't really see the relationship. I don't really know how they go together, but we celebrate both of them at Easter, right? Now, the egg is a particular symbol. It's a symbol that used to be used in pagan cultures as a symbol for new life, and they would celebrate that in the springtime because spring is when everything starts to bloom and come back to life again. And a lot of the symbols we use today, uh, Christian missionaries would encounter these pagan cultures and they learned that they could use symbols that the pagans were familiar with to communicate Christian principles. So what they did was they took the egg and they explained how Jesus Christ brings us new life. It is through Jesus we can be born again. So that's why the egg is tied to things like Easter. Another one is uh, the Christmas tree. How many of you love a Christmas tree? All right, real quick, real quick. If you are in favor of clear lights, raise your hand. All right, put them down. If you're in favor of colored lights, raise your hand. 50-50, okay. Me and my wife had a little debate about that early on in our marriage, but we fixed it. Um, <laughs> but no, Christmas tree is another one of those things that somehow it's, it's become under attack. There are people that say, well, that was a, that was a pagan symbol. We shouldn't, shouldn't use the Christmas tree. That's, you know, that's pagans. That's not Christian. You know, we shouldn't even have one in the house. Any of you ever encountered people like that? The Grinches and the Stooges that, or Scrooges, I should say, that don't, uh, don't like the Christmas tree. 
But it's funny that that's the symbol they chose because if you read in Genesis 1, uh, we look at the story of creation and we see that it's God that made the trees, right? He created all of them. As a matter of fact, it calls out two specific trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And the tree of life is particular because it comes up again at the very last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 22, and it's described as a tree that spans a river on both sides. It never dies, and it has 12 different kinds of fruit that come every season. Now, if you're painting a picture of a tree that never dies, to me that's an evergreen tree, with 12 different kinds of fruit, 12 different kinds of ornaments hanging off of this tree. And it can be clear lights or colored lights, it doesn't matter. But to me, that, that's a Christmas tree. There's a Christmas tree in heaven, and we get to eat from that tree for eternity. So how can that be a bad thing to celebrate? Another symbol. The world has kind of taken and placed a different meaning on is the rainbow. A lot of organizations use the rainbow as their, their flag, their symbol. But that rainbow belongs to God. It is over his throne. It was given to us as a promise, as a covenant he made with us, with Noah. So there's meanings that this world will attach to symbols. And it's really important we as Christians don't worry ourselves about those meanings. We focus on the true meaning. And the true meaning comes from God, who's the creator of all things. Amen? So it would make sense to us that in these symbols that we use and that we, we celebrate, we focus on the, the true meaning of why we celebrate these things, which brings us to the most popular Christian symbol of all, the cross, right? The cross, we celebrate it year-round. A lot of churches have it decorated somewhere. Uh, we have one right there. And it's a very, very important symbol because it, it reminds us of, of what Jesus did for us, right? The, the, the suffering, uh, the blood poured out for our sins, the punishment he took, all those things. But we're going to look in Matthew 16 today. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there. We're going to look at a passage that Jesus uh, spoke to his disciples. And it's a passage that occurs before he's crucified. Before he even touches the cross. But he speaks to it. Which means that there's a, a deeper, more personal meaning about this symbol. That we need to, to grasp here real quick. So if you would... Uh, I guess as Freddie says, hold your Bibles up when you got it. There we go. All right. We're going to be in chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 24, go through 26. I like hearing the pages, Russell. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you so much for your word, and we thank you so much for your son who died on the cross for our sins but is no longer there. He is at your right hand, and he is an advocate for us, Lord. We pray you... Fill this room with your Holy Spirit right now. Open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and let us learn and grow from it. May we ever be changed by it. We ask this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is Jesus speaking and he's talking to his disciples. And what has happened is just prior to uh, this 
these sets of verses, he is telling the disciples that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem, he's going to have to suffer and die, but in three days he's going to be resurrected, and Peter rebukes him. Peter says, no, no, we're not going to let that happen. And Jesus looks at Peter and has the famous, get thee behind me, Satan. That's that interaction, and it's right after that interaction that Jesus spits out these verses for them to, to digest. And so this is where we're at today and what we're going to be focusing on. One commentator said this about this passage. He said, this passage sets for the heart of Christian discipleship, and it strikes a death blow to the self-centered false gospels that are becoming more popular in contemporary Christianity. It leaves no room for the gospel of getting in which God is considered a type of utilitarian genie who jumps to provide a believer's every whim. It closes the door of the gospel of health and wealth, which asserts that if a believer is not healthy and prosperous, he has simply not exercised his divine rights or else does not have enough faith to claim his blessings. It undermines the gospel of self-esteem, self-love, and high self-image, which appeals to man's natural narcissism and prostitutes the spirit of humble brokenness and repentance that marks the gospel of the cross. The first instruction we get from Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Now, this word deny has a much stronger uh, intention. This verb is reserved to convey only the most conclusive denial. It means to disown or to strongly reject. So we must disown ourselves. We must strongly reject ourselves. And the reason we have to deny ourselves is because self will never, ever, ever touch the cross. Self will never reach for it. Self will seek air conditioning. Self will seek a good house, a nice job, good family. Self will seek all those things before God's will. He will seek the comforts of this world before he seeks the will of the Father. Now, that's not to say that those things aren't good. Good house, good family, those things are, those are, those are fine. There's nothing wrong with those unless they take priority over Jesus. That's the problem. Jesus has to remain the first priority if any of this is ever going to work. And in order for him to be the first priority, we have to deny ourselves, disown ourselves. In other words, we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to Jesus Christ. We had 21 individuals last week make that proclamation through baptism. Amen. Amen. Let's keep doing that. Keep promoting that. But that's rejecting self, saying, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Jesus. He's my master. I do what he wants me to do. That's where we have to get to, and it's a, it's a condition of the heart that we seek. Jesus goes on to say that uh, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So he's telling the disciples to take up their cross before he's ever done it. So there's a meaning here that we have to grasp at. Taking up one's cross is not some mystical level of selfless, deeper spiritual life that only the religious elite can hope to achieve. Nor is it the common trials and hardships that all persons experience sometime in life. A cross is not having an unsaved husband, a nagging wife, or a domineering relative. Nor is it having a physical handicap or suffering from an incurable disease. To take up one's cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. It's the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even martyrdom for his sake. The cross is not just a symbol of suffering in general. 
It's the suffering that we encounter when we're serving Christ. The ridicule, the name-calling, sometimes it's physical. But we take it because we're carrying our cross. We're serving Christ. We're not serving self. Sorry, my mouth got real dry. (laughs) And it's important to understand that's going to look different for every believer. For Jesus to carry his cross meant death. For a lot of the disciples, it meant martyrdom. For us, it may look very different. But we have to take up our cross. One of my mission trips, I was able to go over in Asia. And uh, I met a man named Muthraj. And Muthraj uh, was one of our translators. So we would go from village to village, and we would get to speak to crowds, uh, and he would translate for us. And he had uh, quite a few health problems that they just couldn't take care of in the, in the area he was in, in that country. And so there were several times we'd all gather around him, we'd lay hands on him, we'd pray for him, pray for healing, pray for uh, miraculous healing, things like that. And we did it several times, and I got to wondering, and I said, Muthraj, do, uh, do you feel better after we pray for you? He said, yeah. He said, I feel encouraged. I said, do you ever pray for healing? He said, no. I pray that God gives me enough strength to keep going until he calls me home. That is denying self and seeking the will of God. If it brings healing, then so be it. If it doesn't, then so be it. But all he wanted was enough strength to keep going until he made it to the finish line. And that's exactly what happened. He made it all the way. And he got to lay his cross down. We must notice several things about the cross. The first is that the cross is personal. Jesus says, must take up his cross. Not a cross, not the cross, his cross. The cross is personal. It belongs to you. You can't carry my cross, I can't carry your cross. But now in fellowship, we can come alongside each other. And we can share the burdens of this world together. But we still maintain ownership of our cross. And that's why it's so crucial, so important that the body of Christ meet in fellowship. We were not meant to do this alone. We got to do it together. But we have to take ownership. It is our cross. The cross is personal. And second is the cross is a choice. This whole verse starts with an if statement. If anyone wishes to come after me, you must do blank. Meaning Jesus said, I'm not going to make you do it. But you have to choose it if it's what you want. So the cross is personal and the cross is a choice. Something we choose to do. And Jesus gave us an example of what this looks like. This sequence of events to deny oneself to take up your cross. Many of you uh, remember the scene in the garden right before Jesus is arrested. And he's in such intense prayer that blood, he's sweating blood. And any other human being would pass out before they get to that point. But he's sitting there praying, and some of you may remember this this prayer. He looks up to heaven and says, God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What Jesus did may be the most human we've ever seen him. He took his heart, and he said, God, this is where I'm at. He said, I know what's coming. And I don't think I'm going to like it too much. So if there's a way around it or a way past it, 
I personally would like that choice, but I'm giving that to you. And I'm accepting your will for my life instead. So whatever comes, comes because you will it, not because I want it. That's the exchange that he made in denying himself. The only person ever to live who had every right to not deny himself did it for us. He denied himself for us so that we could follow him in his example. Such an intimate prayer with the Father. And the good news is we get to have that same opportunity for intimate conversation with our Father because of the cross. Because of what Christ did on the cross. We have access to God and we can pray these prayers. And God's not looking for the the fancy thou, thee, though prayers. He just wants you. And whatever you're in, wherever you're at, whatever you got going on in your life, be real with God. We talk about keeping it real. Tell him, Lord, I'm stuck in this place. I don't like where I'm at. I hate my job. I hate this. I hate that. But be willing to make the exchange. Be willing to give that to God and accept what he has for your life in replacement of that. Only then can you move on to the next step. John 19, 17 says, They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. So Jesus did exactly what he told the disciples and us to do. Now, in Roman times, it's important to understand what the cross meant. The cross was a symbol of punishment, symbol of shame, guilt. A lot of times we portray the the crucifixion scene as these three crosses on this big majestic hill. And that's not how it went down. It was right outside the gates of the city along the main highway. And they did that so that everyone who traveled that highway could look and see, this is what happens to you when you disobey the Roman Empire. This is the type of suffering and punishment that awaits you if you disobey us. The cross intended for, or the the, the Roman Empire and the world intended for the cross to be a symbol of, of guilt, of shame, of punishment, of rejection. And then Jesus came along. And he took what the world meant for evil and he made it good. He made it so good. He made it a place for redemption. A symbol of salvation. To look at that and be reminded that Our sins are covered. The debt has been paid. We no longer owe anything. We can come into a right standing relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. We don't have to pay anything. It's a gift. Jesus goes on to say, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is an interesting back and forth we have here. What Jesus is doing is he's communicating to us the value of a soul. He equates it to everything this world has to offer. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul and you still end up with nothing. That is the mission. That's what we're here for, souls. We're here to share the souls, the lost souls of this world, the love of Jesus Christ. And we do that by denying ourselves and taking up our cross. We're not in it for possessions or material gain. We're not here to invest in things that are going to rust and rot. We're here to invest in eternal things, the things that really matter, the things that will live on when this world is gone, and that is souls. That is what we have been charged to do. 
when we deny ourselves and take up our cross, we're seeking lost souls. We're seeking any soul, any soul that will listen, any soul that will let us love on them, that will show Jesus to them. We are trying to be his hands and feet and showing them what Christ did for us, he did for them as well. Do you want that gift? Come, it's for you. We have to try not to be bogged down by the things that surround us in this world. And it's very easy to do in this day and age to lose sight of the main goal. I'm reminded of a, another pastor uh, I encountered when I was on my mission trip. He was uh, placed in a very, very hostile uh, village. Uh, in that country, uh, Christianity is, is uh, persecuted very heavily. Um, pastors are, are beaten and even killed. But it was him, his wife, his son and daughter. The son had to walk the daughter to school and back because they were constant threats of them kidnapping her and doing things that uh, are not good. They had to take turns staying up at night to watch the house because there was a constant threat of them burning the house down while they were in it or throwing poisonous snakes in the window that would get them while they sleep. And I call it a house but it was barely sticks tied together with twine covered in burlap sacks and cardboard. Occasionally, there would be men that would just show up at his house. They'd drag the pastor outside and they'd just beat him for no reason at all other than he loved Jesus. And when I heard this story, I became angry because we live in a society where when a bully comes up on you, you, you fight back, you know? So I said, why don't, why don't he fight back? And they said, it'll only get worse. They'll just bring more people. So he just takes it and then keeps on carrying his cross. I thought I knew what it meant to be a Christian until I went on a mission trip. And I encountered these men and I saw the examples they set for me. And I became ashamed to call myself a Christian. I thought I knew what it meant to deny myself and take up my cross. But these men showed me truly, truly what that means. John Stott, who's a renowned theologian from London, has this to say. God could quite justly have abandoned us to our fate. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our own sins. It is what we deserved. But he did not. Because he loved us, he came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to the desolate anguish of the cross, where he bore our sins, guilt, judgment, and death. It takes a hard and stony heart to remain unmoved by a love like that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And just take a minute right now. Ask the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit speak to me right now? What do I need to draw from this? What do I need to learn from this? Maybe you're one of those who has been carrying your cross and you've been carrying it for a long time and you're, you're tired. You grow weary. You're looking for a break. You're looking for some way to just set it down for a moment. The cost is too high. But be encouraged to keep going, keep carrying, keep fighting. Run this race. Carry your cross. Maybe you're sitting there today and you realize that 
just like I did, you thought you knew what it meant to, to carry your cross and deny yourself, but you, you haven't been true to yourself and you want to change that. Today is the day to change that. Today is the day you can renew that promise to make a choice and take your cross. Maybe you're here today and this is the first time you've ever really heard anything like this portrayed where there's a man named Jesus who, who gave it all as a gift to us for eternal life. And if you want to know more about this Jesus, come closer to him and enter into a relationship with him, a life-changing, life-saving relationship with him. You can do that today. And if there are those that want to accept Jesus as their Savior right now, pray with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Pray it in your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I deserve what you took on the cross. But I confess right now in my heart that you are Lord of Lord, King of Kings. You are the Son of the Most High God. And you died for my sins and you were raised from the, from the dead, from the grave. And I want to follow you this day and every day after until you call me home. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand real quick? Amen. Amen. We have prayer stations set up in the back. If you want to continue in this season of prayer, feel free. We're going to enter into our closing worship. Thank you so much. It's great to meet all of you, and I look forward to uh, interacting with each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.